0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Drone Life News Show. Joining me as always, the editor and chief also known as Smiley Miss Miriam McNabb. Miriam, how are you doing today? I am excellent.
1: Spring is here in New England. It's a great day. How are you?
0: It's good. It's a little cold out here. Uh, we got a batch of snow last night, so went from mid-70s to mid-30s, classic uh, spring in New Mexico, so... Ouch. Yeah, Yep. <laughs> but uh, we have some exciting news, Miriam. As uh, you know, we had predicted here at Drone U. Uh, as two of our instructors had actually seen this new drone from DJI come out the day before it actually was slotted for launch. And I know that you have so much more on this new uh, enterprise drone from DJI, which is pretty exciting. Seeing how small portable it is and seeing that it's got, you know, interchangeable payloads and the payload that they offered it. Well, I think that's a story in itself, but Miriam, what do you have here?
1: Well, I'm going to rely on you for the technical look at, you know, how these things are actually going to play out in the field. But I really thought this was um, kind of incredible news, frankly, from DJI. You know, DJI has been definitely playing at low key over the last year. Absolutely. They have an organization that's buttoned up, but they really have. Um, not been doing huge announcements over things. So I'm not sure that everybody saw what a big announcement this was going to be. This is a new Enterprise drone, actually kind of a suite of products. So some really significant things. This is the new M30 Enterprise drone. This is foldable, portable, fits in a backpack, extremely weather resistant, comes with, for the first time, a drone docking station. So we can talk about that a little bit more because, uh, boy, that the timing is just beautiful there, with the BVLOS flight regulations, kind of on the on the cusp, with the ARC recommendations coming out, and uh, hopefully an NPRM to follow. So they are uh, providing now a docking station, which would enable fully autonomous remote operations. So you know the idea being that you could have that drone operating a hundred miles away from yourself. They have up. Uh, Integrated controller. They've got a new Zenmuse camera that is going on their Matrice series. Also, really exciting. So, what are you hearing, kind of, from your instructors, and what's the reaction of the pilots about these about these features? Because I'm sort of looking at the specs, thinking okay, this is <laughs> this is kind of impressive. But, um, you know, I mean, of course, the proof is going to be out in the field with the pilots.
0: Yeah. And, you know, again, speaking uh, without experience on it just yet, we've already got one on its way here. But having that triple camera payload with 200 times zoom is, it really kind of changes the way that I think we're going to uh, think about buying drones, you know, as There have been other American manufacturers talking about just how close they can get their drones to various objects for inspections and mapping and all of that. And this drone and the the powerful payload that it does offer really kind of negates that issue as a whole, being that you don't have to really be that close. You don't have to really be uh, in a more dangerous situation in order to uh, make these jobs happen. I think it's really cool seeing the redundant battery system you know, uh, it is foldable, it is portable, but we're still talking a fairly sizable drone here. And, you know, Miriam, we had heard rumors and speculation that DJI had already stopped the production on the Phantoms, kind of expecting to empower a, a new mapping drone. And the fact that this H20N, I believe is the name of the payload, has a laser rangefinder, I think is really going to add, you know, new elements uh, to getting jobs done, making it more efficient and more effective as a whole. You know, I think that this is an awesome drone. I think this is kind of what the industry needed. Uh, I'm really excited for it. I will just say that uh, I think that this is going to empower so many operations in just one little drone. So I hope that we see DJI support this aircraft for years to come, kind of like we've seen with the Phantom and whatnot. And uh, again, I think it's going to make a lot of competitors kind of uh, shiver in their shoes a little bit because this is this is not just a, a new competitor. I mean, this is this really takes uh, the offerings to a new level or multiple levels higher. And I know that you said that uh, you think that the timing of this release is quite interesting because uh, what we just heard from that LOS arc. So so why do you think that the timing is important here?
1: Well, here what I'm really referring to is the docking uh, mechanism. and When you talk about this docking mechanism, this is designed to enable a whole different set of operations that we haven't really seen DJI get into anymore. This is uh, uh, before, sorry. This has been sort of the billiwick of, um, you know, starting way back. Uh, Before through 2020, the aerobotics system in Israel, I don't know if you remember going to shows 2018, 2017, and and you would see the aerobotics um, system, which was absolutely massive. A huge, huge, huge docking box designed to uh, automatically charge and protect that drone so that it could operate remotely on a remote site to complete surveillance missions. That has shrunk down with products like Percepto, another Israeli company, and you know Percepto has had a lot of luck getting uh, BVLOS waivers on industrial sites around the world. That's another sort of drone in a box solution where you have a docking station that automatically charges the drone and launches the drone, so you can be, you know, a hundred miles away. If if regulations allowed you to, you could be a hundred miles away, um, only coming in to check on that drone. You know, periodically once a week or or whenever the drone sort of does its cycle, goes back to base, charges itself, launches again and sends the feeds back to uh, wherever the operator is. So that kind of industrial application, that very, very human-free operation of the drone is something that is only enabled with BVLOS regulations. It's an incredibly valuable industrial application. You think of things like mining sites, which by law have to be monitored for something like 10 years after they close and stop making any money. You know, they're in the middle of nowhere. What you need is something to just make the cycle and, um, tell you what's going on. Same in fields, in parking garages, you know, all kinds of applications for this. Yeah. So I think, you know, as we see BVLOS getting closer here in the U.S., to have that offering come onto the market right before the industry is able to kind of adopt that sort of remote operations is really interesting. And it definitely does sort of um, change the competitive landscape for that kind of remote ops. There are also sort of inspections like... Um, power line inspections and things like that uh, that happen with those remote operations. So one question I want to ask you before we get into, because I want to talk a little bit more about the BB Lowes ARC. I know that you guys dove into the new pilot recommendations from those ARC recommendations. And I want to dive into that. But one question I'd like to ask you is when I was looking at all of the materials for DJI's new drone, it really is, it's a. It's an all-in-one in the sense that it does cross industries. So this is not a, you know, ag drone or a inspection drone or a public safety drone specifically. It can be used across in, industries. That being said, I think there are a lot of new features that are definitely targeted at public safety. And a lot of new features definitely targeted at industrial inspections. You know, when you're talking about that standoff distance, that's something critical for both public safety and for inspectors. You know, you just don't want to be in the danger range, whether danger range is talking about like where the criminal activity is happening or where the nuclear power plant is. You really want to just be as far away as you safely can be. So. What do you think? Who do you think um they're targeting here? Or do you think that this like the Phantom is kind of a cross generate you know, cross sector thing? The price point, this is not this is definitely not for somebody who's just recreational. The price point um puts it out of there. But on the other hand, it's a less expensive uh high quality commercial unit. So
0: well um I think you know a lot of people were stating that this drone was uh, targeted towards public safety but when you do look at some of the features you think of like power line inspections that standoff distance right to avoid those coronal ejections on those big power lines I think it's a it's a powerhouse tool for that from solar inspections power line inspections uh, communications inspections when we're talking about construction uh, and the ability to use that for mapping. It'll be interesting to see what the new app offers as far as mapping is concerned. Um, but I think the audience is fairly wide here, kind of like what you are alluding to. I have seen a range of price points though. As far as price points are concerned, what are you seeing, Miriam?
1: So I thought I saw something that said about $10,000. Am I way out of line there? That's what I saw.
0: That's what I saw and I, I thought I saw <laughs> that the thermal edition was like twelve ninety nine. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen some prices on the internet. I've seen a lot of companies say, request a quote to find out pricing and whatnot, which, uh, I don't know.
1: I mean, I think it depends on what you're putting on it and and what your package looks like. But uh, at the same time, you know, I mean, it's not a recreational drone. It's not something you're going to use, you know, just for fun. On the other hand, um, for commercial drones, depending on how effective those sensors are, it could actually be on the less expensive side of the commercial offerings. So.
0: Yeah, you know, you compare it to the price of an M300 and all the accessories that you would get with that and it's definitely a lot cheaper and uh, I think that that's, I think that's powerful when you look at the current competitors to DJI, when you look at the Air Peak, when you look at, you know, the Freefly Astro, when you look at uh, Skydio's Enterprise drone, they're all in that price range and, you know, mm-hmm. none of them are producing the volume that DJI produces, so, uh, it's going to be easier to acquire one of these drones. It's going to be easier to have support on these drones. It's going to be easier if something crashes and you need an easy replacement. You know, I think I think DJI still offers a robust ecosystem for their aircraft, for operators. So the price point being, you know, uh, five figures, no matter, you know, which option that you get, it's still a lot cheaper than picking up an M300, which is an ugly looking Terminator-like drone that uh, uh, it's not that portable. You know, I can't tell you how many crown moldings and door moldings I have broken on those cases, those Matrice cases. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, I've been yelled at by the wife a few times uh, with that. And so I like the more portable option. I also think it opens up the door for some more uh, commercial opportunities as well, being that it's smaller, you know, when we look at public safety, we look at how much space is available on their vehicles as a whole. There's not a lot of space. Typically those trucks are designed with certain tools in mind. And so you don't really have a lot of free space in those things. And, you know, I think DJI was cognizant of that. And, uh, you know, I I really think too, um, that this drone is probably the most robust offering that we've seen in a compact platform i think ever you know we say compact platform though i think that's a relative term because this is still a fairly sizable folding drone you know this is this is not a mavic 3. i would say consider two or three of those as far as width is concerned uh you know and uh depth as well and so that said you know i think the price point is reasonable and i think that you bring up some really important points this whole dock You know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays into it all, especially with the BVLOS arc uh, and those committee recommendations. And, you know, here is DJI just once again paving the trail or blazing the trail forward to say, hey, we see you want to do this and uh, here's our offering. And it's
1: already there. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's always important to sort of remind people, despite the sort of sound and fury that uh, you and I have discussed many, many times that goes on in terms of can you use DJI drones uh, at the government level? DJI still has a vast majority of the drone industry in this country. And, you know, years ago, I interviewed um, Colin Gwynn. And he was talking about working with DJI and he said, hey, you know, that volume really works in their favor when you're talking about quality control. Because if there is an error with that drone, they're going to get 5,000 people telling them about it on day one. You know, they just have this really tight development cycle because of the volume, that's it. And, and you know, they still do have a vast majority of the drone industry uh, in this country. They sure do. All right. So that being said, I know that the pilot community definitely wants to hear the details on what potential changes are coming into play for remote pilot certificates in terms of beyond visual line of sight so again this would be if you want to be hired by one of these companies or using these drones fully remotely there could be an extra certification that you're going to need what you dove into the recommendations more than 200 pages good for you (laughs) what did you come up with give us the give give us the short (laughs) version
0: I appreciate that the FAA rewards those who read the source, but man, there's so (laughs) many pages and repetitive information, but um, thank you, Miriam, by the way. Um, That said, I think that your point too, kind of your underlying point of like, we'll see what happens, right? It's it's because these are recommendations from the ARC. So it will be interesting to see what the FAA actually takes from this document and implements because... There's a whole lot here, and you know there are two variables to consider as far as the timeline of these things coming to fruition. You've got an FAA administrator who just resigned, right? So, so what impact is that going to have on the implementation of these recommendations? You've got a federal court case against remote ID that we were expecting to hear the answer on by now, but we haven't had a, a final ruling yet how will that affect these recommendations as well? Which I think there would be significant implications uh, just, just from what I'm reading. Now that said, you know, in the first time that we discussed these recommendations, you wrote up the article on five key takeaways. And one of those key takeaways was look, there is going to be new levels of 107 certification. You'll have your basic and then you'll have your advanced operator or BVLOS operator. Well, that's not the only level of certification that they're talking about. They're talking about having another one where we are going to have uh, certifications for agricultural operations or spraying operations. But there's a key differentiator here because they break up those agriculture or spraying operations and they were they were careful about how they labeled this because spraying can be not just agriculture as we're learning, with companies like uh, Lucid Drone Tech, where they're using wind, high-rise window cleaning and spraying. You know, there's a there's an
1: awful lot when it Absolutely. comes... Absolutely. It could be fire yeah. prevention, right? You could be spraying fire retardant. Absolutely. That's
0: a really good point. In fact, we could use an autonomous drone with some Purple K fire retardant just for our office with all those battery <laughs> fires, you know? I'm just kidding. Um, but that said, you know... Uh, There is two levels for the spring. You have your basic or your simple levels that they call it, where essentially you would be allowed to bypass a large part of part 137. They're talking about, you know, completely rewriting that as to have a separate clause for drone operators. If you're not familiar with part 137, that's essentially the regulatory space that uh, essentially dictates how agriculture or spraying operations would happen, but was written for manned aviation. So just like you know with BVLOS operations where the FAA and these waivers are calling for a CFI uh, to be the operator, we know that one, that's not scalable. Two, you know, the capital outlay to make that happen is is ridiculous. And frankly closes out the market to almost all drone operators. And so with spraying, they would negate the CFI recommendation again, and they would have that simple certification to allow pilots to do ag or spraying as a whole. But then they're talking about a more complex certification that would even change the aircraft's uh, characteristics, meaning that they would allow for heavier drones, up to 200 pounds is what they were talking about. So that's a big difference from a 55 pound drone. You know, with a 200 pound drone, A lot of people are like, what drone would weigh 200 pounds? Think of the Yamaha R-Max helicopter. This is a drone. It is a traditional rotor or bi-rotor setup. Uh, You know, it has multiple spraying tanks on it to allow for various different types of materials or solvents to be sprayed. I mean, you think about even in the example of high-rise window cleaning, you're going to have distilled water in one tank and you're going to have cleansing fluid uh, on the other so that really does open up the world to a lot more advanced operations and we're not just talking about one new level of certification but rather three so we are finally seeing the unmanned world uh, mimic and mirror the manned aviation world where we've got you know numerous types of certifications that are plausible so i think it's very exciting uh you know there were a couple things in there where they're talking about BVLOS operations and drones um, to have very specific types of aircraft markings to make them more uh, contrast heavy and easier to see uh, out in the world. You know, I thought that was very interesting. It'll be interesting too, about how they actually lay that out because as drones are defined right now, the FAA cannot force manufacturers whatsoever to do anything to their drones because they don't have airworthiness certificates. So would we see these more advanced drones have those airworthiness certificates? And the answer is yes. Now, the really interesting part to this, Miriam, all of these certificates except one would essentially be created on the existing FAA system of online uh, examination. But that higher level spraying or agricultural operations would require a practical examination or training specific to the aircraft that they're using. Now, obviously here at Drone U, we're excited about that. Um, But I also think it's a step in the right direction because you are having to prove that the pilots know how to articulate and operate that aircraft. But as far as the specifics on what they have to show in this practical uh examination they do not discuss which i found very interesting because once again here we have this dilemma of regulators with very little drone experience very little flying experience saying hey we want to see you pass a practical examination well what does that look like an orientation loss drill uh how to bring the drone the fastest way down drill does this talk about you know hey i want to be able to see you articulate a banking turn or uh, you know how tell, show me how to stop a flyaway. You know what are the specifics that we're going to see in that. So uh, again, it'll be very interesting to see, like you said and alluded to previously, what actually gets implemented and how.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, there's there's an interesting part of this um, where they really did work hard to say this is risk-based, performance-based approach, you know. So to say, listen, you're going to have to have a practical exam, but then say, okay, we're going to update what what's in that practical exam every X number of years or something would make the regulation future-proof. Mm. Because if you get too deep into the weeds, like you just don't know what that drone technology is going to look like 10 years from now. Um, You know, it's evolving so rapidly. So it is exciting stuff. It's actually, although uh, I do tend to get um, some negative emails about uh, anytime I I talk about sort of further licensing and and further testing requirements and so forth, guys. I didn't actually decide this myself. I just wrote about it like it wasn't. Look here, man. I am not calling for new Look regulations, here. guys. Um, don't shoot the messenger. But at the same time, I really do think that the community of pilots, professional pilots should actually be psyched about this, because this is like bringing their profession up a level and saying, hey, I'm a professional, I had to invest in my training, I had to invest in my licensing, I am, you know, worth the money. This is a real profession. Yeah, and there's a certain
0: level of professionalism that kind of goes uh, with that and a a level of seriousness that goes with that too. And, And I think a lot of people would agree with me, and I would love to hear everyone's comments, that I think that the drone industry is, is fairly aggregate, absolutely speaking, unprofessional. Uh, you know, we've had students come in just in the last few weeks complaining about things that they've seen in Facebook groups, you know. And and I always want to ask people, like, do you think an employer or potential client would ever read your comments? Because if so, <laughs> you would never get hired. Um, but that said, I think it will segregate the drone pilot industry from, oh, you have your 107 to, hey, I have my 107, my 107BV, my 107S, and my 107S2, you know, you're going to be looked at differently. It's the same thing if, you know, you are training a bunch of new pilots and one of them says, hey, I'm ATP rated already. And you're like, oh, you know, like, I instantly know how to talk and treat you, uh, talk to you, excuse me, and treat you, not treat you like give him an ice cream cone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, but I I mean, I think uh, I think it's really interesting as a whole, Miriam. And again, like you said, let's see what actually happens here, because right now it's all a bunch of talk.
1: Yep. Yep, but exciting stuff on the horizon again. Super interesting that DJI sort of comes out with this product that will enable um, real autonomous BVLOS operations uh, in future, and I'm looking forward to hearing more from your pilot and and you all watching this uh, about what you think about the new DJI offering
0: yeah it's gonna be very interesting uh, indeed to say the least so well Miriam thank you so much for joining me as always today greatly appreciate your time and uh, thank you and I will see you next week
1: all right look forward to it
0: all right that's gonna do it for us everyone let us know what you think about these recommended regulation changes and the advancement of the industry as a whole Let us know what you think about this new drone. Does it pull the rug out from other competitors with its offering or does it force competitors to up their game? At the end of the day, we all win. So curious as to what you guys and girls think. Thanks again for joining us as always for another edition of Drone Life News. See you next time.